well welcome welcome everybody as uh we are waiting uh for our dear friend sam shamoon to join in for those of you guys who are new to my uh my streams my name is arthur asadurian uh someone asked tun hayas ayo hayem yev hayas nanumem currently uh, i am in armenia and uh i am armenian that's what i said to the question uh and he will he, he's going to finish up and then uh we'll call him up on skype just wanted to give a kind of introduction for apologia center apologia center is a ministry uh that is currently in armenia i moved to armenia about two years ago and we started an apologetics training program um because there's none uh that exists here and uh, been here and will most likely move back to the United States in um, September or whenever the borders open up uh, and then we'll continue to do this work. Uh, so this is the web kind of arm of Apologia Center where I, I make short videos responding to issues that pertain to um, apologetics and, and just the Christian response, the Christian worldview. Uh, and then also I bring on folks uh, like Sam to to have a discussion about various subjects um as sam's gonna come in uh the discussion today is gonna be not just about islam but specifically about the politics in this region in the caucus region um and especially the relationship between uh, armenia azerbaijan turkey and then kind of what we're seeing happening in turkey so we're going to be speaking about islamic thought uh, maybe even why Muslims think the way they do or or Islamic nations think the way they do. So we're going to ask Sam for some um, insight and uh, to, to help us out there. Uh, but again, the idea for this channel is, uh, is a bit different than uh, what you guys are used to um, on other Christian kind of apologetics. And you guys know that people like David Wood, people like Sam Shamoon, uh, they do apologetics, Islamic apologetics, right? They're, so they're Christian apologetics responding to Muslims primarily. And then there's other YouTube channels where uh, there are arguments for God's existence and all of that. Uh, and there's plenty of good ones, and I highly recommend you guys take advantage of it. My goal is to present the Christian worldview. So I, I speak a lot more about politics and how Christians should respond to that stuff, as well as, you know, arguments and, and all the kind of philosophical stuff is there someone who's exposing hinduism um i don't know that you know that's a good one i don't know i there are a number of indian um apologists or apologists out of india uh, but i haven't seen them specifically focus just on hinduism so that there it is, man. If if you got a if you got a heart for that and <laughs> uh, you wanna you wanna focus in on that, uh, that that's a channel right there. That as a matter of fact, in regards to the YouTube world, that has a lot of folks that would be interested. I would assume. Um, so if nobody's doing it, you should. Uh, so that that's kind of my view of things by the way uh it, just in christian ministry um look around and see what people are doing uh and and if some someone's not doing it then do that
Awesome. Thank you. Hi. Hello, everyone. Thanks. Well, then he's got to call me. Let's go. So this is going to be very interesting because it's a bit different. Than <laughs> it's a bit different than. Okay, let's see. Let me call him up. Yo, is that you? Yo. All right, good man. Hold I on. Was, I was. <laughs> I know. I was watching it. I was watching it for the past hour and a half. What do you think? So let me give you some. Um, let me get some water. Sure. Go for it. Sorry about that, brother. Sorry, man. It was intense. I don't want to let her go. No, it's all good. Well, welcome everybody, especially everybody who is uh, joining us from Sam's channel. Appreciate it very much, and. Um, Hopefully, you guys uh, will enjoy the stream. One second, man. Woo, that was intense. Baby. I know, man. Intense. Now, I think she's got rock. She's going to come back as a believer. I hope so. I hope so. Rock, man. All right, man. Now we got to rock the Islam right now. Sorry, man. I tried to get her, but, man, we're really into the intense because she admit Allah praise. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I was like, this is like Muhammad hijab status. I was wondering what she was gonna say. What I didn't, I caught, I didn't catch it from the beginning. Was she? Um, she was pretending former, to be former a Christian. Seeker. Was she a former no, Christian? No, no. She's a Muslim, mm -hmm. but she has Christian relatives, Christian relatives, and she was pretending to have some genuine questions, but she was calling to attack the faith. Uh huh. And she got, now she got school. But anyway, glory well, to God. I'm here. So let me okay. give you a panic attack by saying TikTok, uh, TikTok, time to rock. Um, uh, you, you're on with David Wood so much that like, he probably gives you panic attacks and anxiety all the time. Yeah, he does all the time. Um, all th thanks for everyone who's joining here. And a number of people are asking if I'm Armenian. So this is oh, we're live already. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, we're live. We're, we're going. All so right, this is the Armenian-Assyrian team-up right here. Uh, so... <laughs> I won't go into how we met, but Sam saw me coming up an elevator, and he was like, "Hey, where are you from?" And so that that's that's how it, that's how it went. Um, so everybody knows Sam Shamoon as the Assyrian Encyclopedia. I call him the Assyrian Beast. Um, yeah, but I'm a handsome beast. Come on now. You're you're a handsome beast. That's true. Don't be don't be like that, man. Yeah. Um, don't hate. So today it's a bit different, Sam. This discussion. We're just gonna jump right into it, right? So, so I am, I'm, I've been living in Armenia for about two years now. Yes. And um, one of the things that's recently come to the, you know, in front of everyone's attention, if you're paying attention to global politics, is um, a ceasefire was violated between Azerbaijan and Armenia, uh, depending who you listen to. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest you listen to the Azeri news because they're, they're known for violating journalists' rights quite a bit. Yes. Um, they attacked and might have had various reasons, and then it's it's kind of gotten really serious. Okay, and I again, if you're not paying attention to world politics, this is the region you need to be paying attention to. Yes. And, and if you're a Christian, you need to be praying for peace because, in all seriousness, if this region erupts into war, it could be World War Three. I'm not. I'll tell you exactly why. In the last two weeks. Armenia and Russia have done joint military exercises, okay? And Russia's gonna do another one called Caucasus 2020 in September. Turkey and Azerbaijan 
have done um, military exercises in the region of Nakhichevan, which is historic Armenian land, but under Azeri control. Greece has done military exercises. Egypt and France have done military exercises. Iran just did military exercises in the sea, in the Persian Gulf, uh, partly because um, north of Iran is full of Azeri, ethnic Azeris, and there's all sorts of conflicts between Azerbaijan. Okay? So there's disputed land, there's ethno-religious conflict and all that stuff. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have Sam on. There, and, and there's a number of reasons. Number one, because Sam is a Syrian. He is very familiar with Turkey. From an empire treated Armenians, Assyrians, and Greeks uh, during the genocide in 1915. What is commonly referred to as the Armenian Genocide. But it wasn't just Armenians, right? Uh, it was Christians that were killed. Uh, and everybody should yeah. know that because it wasn't just a political thing. And I don't, I don't think you can ever distinguish um, politics within Islamic countries because that's not, Islam's not that, right? Islam is a political religion. Um, so we're going to jump Same. into this and we'll look at some Muslim teachings. But I want to give us some history lessons here, okay? You guys speak a lot about... Um, what the Quran teaches and all that stuff. Yes. I want you to tell us what happens post-Muhammad with yeah. the establishment of a Muslim caliphate yep. and how that yes, changes. So tell us what happens and then how that changes from an Arab kind of dominance to this Ottoman Turkish dominance. Um, and, and we'll connect what, why that's important. So go for it, Sam. Yeah. By the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, I'm trusting the Lord to help me to speak to this issue as accurately as possible and to represent what Islam teaches <clears throat> to the best of my ability. My forte has been to study the primary sources of Islam, <clears throat> meaning the Quran and the Hadith of Muhammad, because what happens is anytime you look at Islamic history and the expansion of Islam through the caliphate, <clears throat> starting with the first caliph, Abu Bakr, and then when he died, Umar, what you will tend to find is that many Muslims will try to <clears throat> either present a glorious picture of the four caliphs, because if you're a devout Muslim, you can't say Abu Bakr or Omar ibn al-Khattab, Uthman ibn Affan or Ali ibn Abu Talib. The first, and even though during the time of Ali there was a fight with Muawiyah, who then also <clears throat> vied for the right to the caliphate, you can't really question these four successors of Muhammad, unless, unfortunately, when I say unfortunately, because when you deal with Islam, you're not dealing with something that's monolithic. I don't mean to use a fancy term, meaning just like in Christianity, it's fragmented. You have Protestants and various denominations of Protestantism. You have the Orthodox, you have the Roman Catholic, the Coptic. Even in Islam, you have a fragmentation, and this fragmentation started early on because the second largest Muslim group they're called the Shia, the Shia of Ali, <clears throat> the, the followers of Ali. They actually believe that Abu Bakr, Omar, and Uthman should not have been the caliphs <clears throat> because they believe that Ali was Muhammad's first cousin, their fathers were brothers, and Ali was married to Muhammad's wife, Fatima, that he was the successor to Muhammad because he was Muhammad's wali, his his partner, and there are narrations that actually have Muhammad saying that Ali is to Muhammad what Aaron was to Moses. Mm. What Aaron was to Moses, Ali was to Muhammad. 
So you have that divide that still is ongoing till this day. And so you have a branch of Shia Islam known as the Rafida that actually curse the, the first three caliphs and curse the wives of Muhammad like Aisha. So what I like to do is I like to go to the Muslim sources and stick with Muhammad's example. Because if you go to the source and you show how rotten the source is, then you can't tell me when you find these perversions foisted upon the world by Muslims that they were acting contrary to Muhammad. No, actually, they were following Muhammad's spirit to the letter. So we find Muslims expanding the rule of Islam even in areas among people who didn't even know about Islam, hmm. who didn't pose a threat to Islam, who didn't challenge Islam. But because Muhammad said, and we're going to go into the sources to confirm this, because I know there are going to be Muslims saying, you're lying, you're misquoting, <laughs> jihad is only defensive. I'm sure you've heard that, right, brother? <laughs> yeah. Right. Let me just say this. Um, when when Western Muslims say things like that, or, or even Muslims when they're talking to a Western audience, the Americans, when they say stuff like that, listen, listen, please, please don't treat us like we're idiots. Exactly. We are a part of a people group that have been dealing with Islam since its inception. Islam and, and uh, Islam has taught and Muslims have raped, pillaged and killed our people for 1400 years so don't give us that nonsense okay let's be honest with history we're honest with our history when people who claim to be christians or even christians have done stupid things and wrong things we call them out on it addiction to what the bible teaches but don't give us this nonsense right don't, don't give us this nonsense about oh it's peace only defensive and stuff like that leave it out amen now let me explain the mindset of the muslim now, you have to go back to Muhammad and see the model. So when the Muslims started expanding, let's just talk about the expansion real quickly. Here are the options that the Muslims give to those lands that they're invading and taking over and conquering, right? These are the options. If you're considered Ahlul Kitab, meaning people of the book. Now, let me define these terms. In the Quran, it acknowledges that Allah, the God of Muhammad, sent scriptures to previous communities, specifically the Jews and the Arabic Quran refers to Christians as Nasara, Nasara. Now, till this day, scholars are baffled. Why did Muhammad call a Christian a Nasara as opposed to Masihi? Hmm. Masihi is the Arabic term meaning follower of Messiah. We don't know. Was there a particular group that was flourishing in Arabia that called themselves Nasara to distinguish themselves from the Christians at large, we really do not know. But be that as it may, when a Muslim reads the term Nasara in the Arabic Quran, they associate that with Christians in general. Christians in general. So, Artur, he's a Nasara. I'm a Nasara. Even though the Arabic term for a Christian is Masihi, hmm. follower of Messiah. With that said, the Quran acknowledges that before Muhammad, Allah had sent the prophets of the Bible right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, to all their respective communities, and through some of them, gave those communities scriptures, particularly the children of Israel, the Jews, and Christians. So the Quran acknowledges that by calling them Ahl al-Kitab. So if you're considered people of the book, then you have three choices when a Muslim comes and invades your land, and you're outnumbered, and you really are defenseless. Number one, become Muslim. And then you have the same rights of Muslims. Or number two, you can remain a Jew or Christian, but you have to pay jizya. 
Jizya is a sum of money, and the Quran tells you in chapter 9, verse 29, chapter 9, verse 29, why do you pay the Jizya? As a sign that you've been humiliated and subjugated, defeated, and humbled by the Muslim army. Or, number three, you go to war, and to the victor goes the spoils. That's the three options. Now, there have been Muslim scholars who've expanded the category people of the book to include even, for instance, the Persians. Because if you look at it historically, the Muslims also invaded Iran. That's right, yeah. Persia took over. But the Persians were, quote-unquote, to use the term that's used, fire worshippers, yeah. quote-unquote, right? Even though that's not what they would call themselves. But you find in Islamic tradition that they were given the status of the people of the book, and so jizya was extracted from them, right? Even though the Quran does not acknowledge them as people of the book. Now, what if you're not a people group that's labeled the people of the book? Because you're not recognized as a community that God sent a scripture to. Well, you have two choices, become Muslim or go to war and to the victor goes the spoils. Yeah. And this is what you've seen historically. Muslims expanded the rule of Islam over lands and peoples that never posed a threat to Muslims because they didn't even know Muslims existed. So then when the Muslims can't come to Iraq, or come to Syria and come to Jerusalem, or they come to Iran, or then they go to India. They're reaching peoples who pose no threat to Muslims. Their only sin was they were not Muslim. And so the Muslims were given a mandate by Muhammad. These are in authentic traditions attributed to Muhammad. Muhammad says in a narration attributed to him, Bukhari or Muslim, it's found in both. He says the entire earth belongs to Allah and his messenger, hmm. meaning that the earth is owned by Muhammad. And if it's owned by Muhammad, guess what Muhammad's followers are gonna do? Claim the earth for Allah and his messenger. Yeah. So brother, Armenia, that's Muhammad's land. How dare you rule Armenia according to Christian legislation or secular form of government when that land belongs to Allah and his messenger and when the Muslims have the upper hand, they have to take it from you. They don't have a so choice. this is why political subjugation is extremely important to the Muslim ideology. My, my brother, it is a mistake to assume Islam is religious. Islam is political, socio-religious. In other words, religion is a small aspect of Islam. Islam is a comprehensive world view that governs politics, economics, every even, even going to the bathroom. Even yeah. as a Muslim, if I follow Muhammad, I can't go to the bathroom the way I want. Again, people think I'm exaggerating. I have the narrations here. Let me give you an example of what I mean. That Islam governs every part of your life, so socially, politically, economically, spiritually, even to mundane things as going to the bathroom. Are you aware, non-Muslims, that when you go to the bathroom, you can only use odd number of toilet paper? You can't use even number? And you can only use your left hand. You can't use your right hand. Are you aware of this? That's 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 how detailed traditional Islam is, specifically Sunni Islam. It even tells you how to go to the bathroom, how to even relieve yourself, and how much. Now at that time they didn't have toilet paper. Yeah. But I'm for for modern understanding today it's toilet paper. So I can't use two sheets of toilet paper. I even have to use one, three, five. Because Allah likes odd numbers, and you got to use your left hand. 
The left hand yeah, I knew, the, 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 the toilet paper stuff I didn't know. So Sam, oh, yeah. uh, help us understand here how there, there was a like um, geopolitical shift, right? You're getting yeah. a Arabic dominance of Islam. Yes. Um, and then with the, with the Ottoman invasion and takeover of the Byzantine Empire, the center of Islam becomes what is modern day Turkey and beyond, right? It becomes the Ottoman Empire. Right. How does that shift happen? Yeah. Now, when you say the shift, remember, even though the people are no longer Arab, right? But it's still influenced by an Arabic prophet and an Arabic religion. So even though you have now a shift because you have the Ottoman Empire, which became the longest running. Yes. Because they consider the Ottoman Empire part of the Islamic caliphate mm -hmm. and it was only in the 20th century when it was disbanded if my recollection right. in the 1920s yeah you're completely right post post genocide post genocide yes so when you have when you have a conversion in religion though the people group may not be arab their mindset mentality is still arabic in that it's still influenced by an arab and the legislation still is Arabic in that it's going by the Quran, which is Arabic, and a legislation that's in Arabic, which is why you have, <clears throat> even in during the Ottoman Empire, when they're praying, it's Arabic. When they recite the Quran, it's Arabic. That's right. So the shift, though ethnically there may be a shift, the ideology is still Arab because Muhammad is an Arab. And so now Islam now gives them the tool to spread throughout the entire world because now they have a divine mandate because you see here's what the West doesn't understand brother if you're fighting for a secular ideology a person may not be willing to die for a secular ideology because for example communism you got some people who are fanatical that may die but what's the benefits if you die nothing right but when you die for an ideology that claims to be heavenly hmm. you win Either way, if you conquer, you win. If you die in your mindset, you win because now you're rewarded with Jannah. That's right. That is an ideology that cannot be defeated by secular means. This is why if you kill, let's say, an Osama bin Laden brother, there are 10 million Osama bin Ladens in the waiting to take his place because now they're dying for something that's bigger than just earth and, and earthly benefits. It now has a heavenly, <clears throat> heavenly benefit so that if I get killed, and try and expand the rule of God, my reward is Jannah. But if I conquer, not only will I get Jannah, but I get the earthly benefits. Your wives, your daughters, mm -hmm. your wealth, your land. That's right. Win-win situation. Yeah, so for those who are watching who aren't, um, kind of don't know the story and the history here, let me just give a, a, a breakdown, especially within this region and what's taken place. Um, in the late 1800s, I mean, this has happened throughout Islamic history, but specifically in the late 1800s, the Ottoman empires, right, uh, with their sultans, started specifically focusing in on Armenians, Greeks, Assyrians, okay? Now, the predominant group in what is Eastern Turkey, which is Western Armenia, right, that's historic Armenian lands, by any map, any historical map you go look at, any knowledgeable historian will tell you exactly that. Um, they started focusing in and killing men, children, men. Um, and what ends up happening, it, this culminates in 1915 with the young Turks coming into power and they kill 80% of the population, uh, the Armenian population. So it's a, it's a million and a half to 2 million Armenians. Um, I think it's like 300,000 Assyrians and then 150,000 Greeks. 
those are the estimated numbers. Um, and this kind of leads to the fall in the shakeup of the Ottoman Empire, right? They're losing power. That's part of the reason why they're doing this. And the communists are expanding in, in Russia. And then Russia's moving in to Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan. Now, there's all sorts of fighting going on. Okay, there, in, in between 1919 to like 1921, there's a bunch of fighting going on between Bolsheviks and Armenians, Armenians and Turks. You know, the Bulgarians are involved in this, the Azeris. It's insane. Um, it culminates with the Bolshevik takeover of Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia. Turkey and um, Russia come to some kind of an agreement. Um, lands are distributed in all sorts of weird ways that have led to conflicts starting in the 1990s, especially between Azeris and Turks. Here's something that's crazy. I got some friends that are that are Turkish speakers. One of the language that started developing in Turkey very recently is is talk of an Islamic caliphate with Erdogan. Okay, so I don't know how familiar you are with Turkish politics. I'm kind of throwing the Sam's not ready for this stuff. He hasn't. I haven't sent him any questions. But do you no. want to comment as to why that's important to someone like Erdogan and why this? Instead of following uh, what some might say the secular Turkey in the order of Ataturk, right? Like secularizing yeah. Turkey. This guy wants to go back to Islamic uh, rule. There's, yeah. there's Muslim fanatics. I don't even exactly. like saying Muslim fanatics, by the way. It's just Muslims. Uh, there's Muslims marching through the streets of Turkey oh. today calling for Sharia law, calling for a caliphate, which will be bad for everyone, by the way, including Turkish citizens who are who, who are living pretty liberally it's going to be if it takes over it's going to be what happened in iran in the 1970s yeah. where people were living pretty progressively and then now it's 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 horrendous okay brother even before we get there i want people to know this because to me this is something very heartbreaking and sad we all hear about the young turks the youtube channel yeah right <laughs> okay people don't understand can you them and you have an armenian oh man okay an armenian people don't know why that term young turk is a spit in the face of the armenians assyrians and greeks especially when because we have the armenian genocide could you just and i want to come back to erdogan yeah. why he wants it's okay but could you show that the the term young turks how does it tie into this situation well, the, yeah, young the Young Turk Party is is the party that takes over and commits the genocide. I mean, it would be equivalent to me coming up with a YouTube channel called the Nazis, and and then having some Jews working for me. Uh, you know, like it's insane. Uh, and people have called him out on this. Uh, by the way, um, the the founder of it, um, Cenk, right? And That's right. he's recently backtracked because he was a genocide denier, and he's recently backtracked on that. I want to give him credit for where credit is due, but it took some time. Um, I just like I, the Armenian girl that works for them. I'm just like, I don't understand me. why. It, it makes no sense to me. And this is, by the way, well, I don't want to say it doesn't make any sense to me. It does make sense to me. This is why. Because liberalism, modern American liberalism, okay, which is Marxist communism. I'm more convinced of this than anything else, especially considering two, three days ago they were burning Bibles in Portland. Um, it is, Marxism teaches a borderless society, right? It's false um, human uh, brotherhood or something like that. That's never going to deliver because that's a, that's a false anti-Christian uh, view of what you know human harmony is going to look like because the only time we'll have any kind of a unity like that is in, in Christ Jesus, nothing else. 
Um, and, and this is what they're promising. And, and uh, so let me connect this a little bit. When the Treaty of Gars was signed in, in like, I think, 1924 between the Russians and the Turks, one of the things the Russians did and one of the things that Stalin did was take a big chunk of ethnic Armenian land, which Armenians call Artsakh, it's popularly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, and put it inside Azeri borders. And you know what Armenian Bolshevik communists did? Nothing. You know why? Because they were convinced of communism and the borderless existence. You know how that came to bite us in the butt? In the 1990s when communism fell and the people of Artsakh wanted to govern themselves and actually be united back with Armenia because that's 90% of the population are Armenians. It led to war and the thousands of people dying both on the Armenian side and the Azeri side. This is why ideologies matter. And this is why, amongst other things, liberalism is dangerous because it gives you, especially the modern form of liberalism, right? This progressivism, socialism, Marxism. So it gives you a borderless yes. kind of society. But the young Turks are the, uh, a lot of people don't know this. The young Turks and people within that were actually put on trial in Turkey for genocide. In Turkey, kind of like a Nuremberg kind of thing. A lot of people don't talk about this. Turks don't like talking about it. But go study your history and you will see that this is the case. And that even by their own uh, admission, right, historical facts, Turks saw what some Turks had done against Armenians, uh, Greeks, and Assyrians. Uh, so this is no debate, but modern Turkey uh, yeah. denies this, de denies that the genocide ever happened. Oh, it was it was a war, you know, World War One, all this nonsense. At the cover of you know war, they did this. Sorry, brother, I mean, I'm not trying to cut you off. I just wanted people to understand the significance of this channel calling itself the Young Turks because it's spitting in the blood of oh, the martyrs. Yeah. And you have this young Armenian, Armenian woman, who's part of this program, and shockingly. She's joined this program that the name itself is an insult, and yet because we live in an America that's pretty much going socialist and, and communist and Marxist, there's, yeah. there's not much you can do about it. But coming back to Erdogan and his desire to Islamicize Turkey, remember what I said. Now, the reason why I keep going back to the source, I want you to understand, because I'm already anticipating what a Muslim may say, that what, let's say, er Erdogan, I have a hard time saying his yeah. name. What he did with with the Hagia Sophia, they'll say, "Oh, that's not Islamic, brother." So you can't. So what I'm trying to do is connect what his desire is to do with the source, because you got to go to the root. The root. See, if you have a cancer, you got to cut the cancer from the root, and the root of the cancer is Muhammad. You cannot be. Let me just repeat this to to the non-Muslims here. You cannot be a true Muslim in government and seek a form of government other than that implemented by Allah and his messenger. In fact, let me just give you a Muslim concept. There are some Muslims who divide this category called Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Mm -hmm. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah means the oneness of the sovereignty of Allah. Now, that encompasses Allah's right to rule over the earth according to his dictates. What dictates? Not biblical dictates. Quranic dictates, the dictates <clears throat> found in the Sunnah of Muhammad. So <clears throat> you have a group of Muslims that like to further divide that category into what's known as Tawheed al-Hakamiyyah. Tawheed al-Hakamiyyah. Just let me, to help people appreciate the sure, mindset yeah, yeah. of this demon, this Antichrist. And it is tragic what he did to Hagia Sophia. But you know what? Uh, anyway, 
let me get the verse before I get too emotional about stuff like this, because that, again, was another spit in the face of Christians. He spat in the face of Christians by making Hagia Sophia a mosque. And then when they had the first prayer in Hagia Sophia, I may have not said much on social media, but to me it was disgusting and heartbreaking. And I'll be honest with you, that was a declaration of war on Christians. I don't know if people understand this. This man knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. What he did was he was challenging the Christian world. He was actually saying, in your face, do something about it. He's egging the Christian world to war because in his sick mind, he actually thinks Allah's on his side because he thinks Allah's God. Well, let me read to you a verse of the Quran, chapter 18, verse 26, all right? So we can put this all in, con in context. Okay, watch here. <clears throat> say, Allah is best aware, chapter 18, verse 26. Say, Allah is best aware how long they tear. And by the way, before I finish, I'm not trying to egg people on emotionally to do something. So I have to be very careful right. because this can be inflammatory. And I know there are a lot of people hurt. I know a lot of my Orthodox brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those in Greece, who've really taken this to heart and they really see this as a declaration of war and they're really torn what to do about it. I'm not here inciting anyone to war. I'm not here to make inflammatory statements to cause any hatred in your heart because at the end of the day, what did I say? And I want to repeat this again, my brother Artur. This will not take a human solution. The solution to this problem is spiritual. And I'm not trying to say I can do nothing about it. We do all we can with the rights God has given us. Whatever rights God has given us, we will then use those rights to the fullest for the glory of Christ. Right? So, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, only Jesus can come and restore the earth to its perfect Edonic state. Right. We do all we can with the rights that God has given us as a Christian community. Pray, whatever it is, whatever God allows us to do, we will do. We will not transgress the limits. We will not go against scripture because our ultimate allegiance, and I got to say this because I'm a little worried. I don't want people to misquote me, take my words out of context. Our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom. And Jesus said, his kingdom is not of this world. If it were, his servants would fight for him. John 18, read 33 to 37, specifically 36 to 37. Now, I'm not saying Christians don't have a right to protect their lands. You do. That Christians don't have a right to protect their family from being raped and murdered or enslaved. You do. But at the end of the day, remember, our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we await Philippians 3, 20 to 21. So I'm trying to give you a biblical perspective to be balanced. Philippians 3, 20 to 21, it says, We await our citizenship in heaven. From there we await a Savior to come, Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to conform to his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So remember, your citizenship is heaven. Your king is Jesus. He's your commander. You never do anything that transgresses his divine legislation. So let me repeat again. That doesn't mean the Lord doesn't give you a right to protect your land. If an army comes and you know that army wants to rape your women, you have every right to protect your, right. your wife, your daughters, your sons, your land. You have every right to do so. So yeah. I want my words to be taken in context. Just, just to comment now, on that, that, just to comment on that a little bit more. Um, 
the best thing we can do, the best thing we can do is actually preach the gospel to Muslims. And it's, it's what Sam's doing. It's what David Wood's doing. It's what many people are doing. Um, it, it is, we want to see Muslims become Christians because we realize that Satan uses even our ethnicities, even our national, uh, you know, identities to, to destroy us, for us to kill each other. And so our amen to that, everything you said, there's none of that, but we are, at least I am, I don't know if you are on this, uh, on this, uh, philosophical point, right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a strong defender in, in just war theory. And I think defensive war, no. it's just war theory. And so I'm all good with that. Um, Me too, bro. And, and so we're, we're, we're all, we're all on that. So, but 100%, let's, let's not be the aggressors. Right. But again, let's be wise and see what's going on in the world. Um, and what's going on in world politics. And especially because a lot of the people probably watching this are from the United States. And I know that, you know, there's all sorts of issues going in the U.S. right now and people are uh, paying attention to that. We got to pay attention to what's going on. We got to pay attention to what's going on in Lebanon. We got to pay attention to what's going on in Syria, you know, Libya, Yemen. I mean, Turkey's got soldiers in all these places. That's not by accident. It's not by accident that Egypt is pretty much telling Turkey back off, back off from um Libya back off from Yemen because they're trying to do something. And I think, especially with this whole situation with the Hagia Sophia, um, that th there's great amount of talk about this, um, this caliphate. And guess what? This little Armenia stands right in between a certain kind of connection of a pan-Turkic empire. So let's be very attentive there. Yeah, let, let me add something about that. Folks, if you're Christians who love Jesus, you have to pray and you have to fight for the for Armenia and Greece, because at least these two countries are identified with Christianity, mm -hmm. right? Whether the government is completely in line with Christian virtues, that's one thing. The world, when it thinks of Greece, it thinks Christianity, mm -hmm. right, brother? Yes. Greece, Christianity. That's right. Armenian Christianity. We need to pray for these nations and do whatever we can within our rights to make sure these two nations stay what they are nations associated with Christianity, and we cannot allow the Muslims to invade and take over. We can't do that. So whatever we can do within our means, within our rights, by the grace of God, we need to do. Sadly, the West has pretty much abandoned its Judeo-Christian heritage. Right. So for us to look for the West, like America, to come to the side and the help of Armenia, or but the way it's going, America has become so hostile towards Christianity it will go in bed with Islam if it will help them to destroy Judeo-Christian values. You see that all the time, right? Yeah. Like you just said, where were they burning Bibles? Yeah, in, Portland. in Portland. In Portland, yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you imagine them doing that with the Quran? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I um, I think um, uh, John uh, McRae, right? Um, he, he just did a video, uh, a very quick video on the burning of the Bibles. He says, go do that in an Islamic country and try burning the Quran. Uh, so what do you mean is the YouTube channel, uh, for those who don't know? You're who completely right. A nation, right. I mean, who would have thought a nation that identified with Judeo-Christian values would tolerate the, the desecration of God's perfect word, the Holy Bible? But see, this is why I don't, don't want to be a pessimist. I, I, my hope is in Jesus. I know Jesus is real. He will come and restore the earth. But from a human perspective, I am pessimistic when it comes to human beings doing something to make sure these Christian lands, because I identify Armenia as a Christian land and Greece as a Christian land because they're identified with Christianity. I really, I, I am pessimistic when it comes to 
nations coming alongside of them to help them. But again, I hope the Lord Jesus will arise to preserve this beautiful That's land right. called Armenia and Greece. I love the Armenians and I love the, and I'm not just saying it. I love these lands because the world still associates them with Christianity and we need that to stay that way until the Lord returns. Now, with that said, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm not trying to go off subject. Let me show you why. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Erdogan? Uh, I call him Erdogan. Man, I don't know how to pronounce it. You got to say your ghaz, bro. Can I just Antichrist? Sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyway, let me tell you why. Just, just say the president of Turkey, <laughs> I guess. President of Turkey. Let me tell you why he, he wants to implement Islam. Like you said, that behind the scenes, there's a desire to restore the Islamic caliphate. Because remember, the Ottoman Empire was the longest... Mm -hmm. quote-unquote Islamic caliphate it was only disbanded in 1920s even Muslims even Muslims regret and 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 re are remorseful that remorseful that the Ottoman Empire was disbanded in the 1920s because they looked to it as being an Islamic government and they both see the Islamic rule the longest rule of any nation right any kingdom because all the other kingdoms if you look at the 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 length of how long they reign, like Babylon didn't reign that long, Assyria didn't reign that long, yeah. Egypt, right? They looked to the Ottoman Empire as an extension of the rule of Islam started by Muhammad, and they, they say the longest reigning empire was the Islamic Empire, yeah. right? That's their boast. So they, they're salivating to revive it. They're salivating to have it kickstart again. But let me read 1826 to put things in perspective. Why the president of Turkey is, you see, really intent on implementing Islamic rule. Because if you're a true Muslim, and this is the question, are you a true Muslim? All right, here's what 1826 says. Say, chapter 18, verse 26 of the Quran. Allah is best aware how long they tarry. He is the invisible of the heavens and the earth. How clear of sight is he and keen of hearing they have no protecting friend beside him, and he makes none to share in his government. None to share in his government. Hukmihi. And that's where you get Tawheed al-Hakimiyah. Hmm. Now, brother, let me ask you a question. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. If you believe in Islam and you're a true Muslim, and here the verse of the Quran tells you, no one shares in Allah's government. Can you, if you're a Muslim and a president of, an, of a land, and you want to be a devout Muslim, rule according to any other form of legislation when Allah allows no one to share in his government? No, no other legislation? It, it, you know, it's interesting. This is the mistake of Western democracies thinking they can go to in uh, largely populated Islamic countries and bring about a constitutional form of government because whatever form of government they have is going to be subjugated to Sharia law. Whatever form of government they have is going to be subjugated to the Quran, is going to be subjugated to the teachings of Islam. See? And you see the big mistake, what the, what happened in Iraq. Look at the hell that's exactly. now taking Exactly, and Afghanistan. Right? Yeah. And even Afghanistan. Because we keep thinking that the mindset of the Muslim is same as our mindset. We want separation of church and state. Yeah. No, you have to enter the shoes of the Muslim. And you have to enter their worldview and understand. For Muslims, and there's enough Muslims who are zealous for Islam, 
You cannot separate government from religion. That does not exist in Islam. It didn't exist at the time of Muhammad. It didn't exist in the time of his successors. And it won't exist now as long as you have Muslims who are devoted to Islam. Which brings another question. Here's another question. What we call uh, <clears throat> stealth jihad or creeping sharia. Hmm. Guys, let me ask every one of you a question who's listening. In Europe, in UK, even in America, in America now, we, they say we have about six to seven million Muslims. So uh, if the Lord tarries, it's still a long way from them having a significant number of Muslims to make a difference, even though they are making headway through movements like CARE. But put that aside. If you have devout Muslims who are devoted to Islam, and no, you can't have a form of government other than Islam. Once you reach a number where you become dominant or the majority, what do you think they're going to do to that land? What do you think they're going to do to the form of government? What do you think they're going to do to the laws? In fact, I've been told, I haven't been there, I've been told by people who live in the UK, there are certain areas that are controlled by Muslims that even the police don't enter there. Yeah, they've taken over. Right, I've heard now. I've heard from people who live there. So again, I have no reason to belie their testimony, but that is what's going to happen when you have a significant number. So let me break down the stages of implementation. And so you see, the president of Turkey, he's now gotten the Islamic bug. It's bit him. And now he wants to change the direction, the course of the government to conform more closely to Sharia. If that happens, there's going to be World War III. Inevitably, it's coming. Folks, it's coming. If this man has his way, it's coming. Because he realizes if he is seeking the pleasure of Allah and he wants to now conform the government to more course, carefully correspond to Sharia, he's going to have to then spread the, the form of government all over the world. He won't be content staying in Turkey. That's right. Especially when Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, had its tent tentacles all over the world, right? So guess what? That means he has to go back and reclaim all those lands that were under the influence and control of the Ottoman Empire. That's right. If he's devoted to Allah and his messenger. World War III is inevitable if this guy gets his way. But let me show you how it works with the Muslim mindset. Okay. There are three stages, folks. And everything I'm telling you, we've documented. And historically, you see it played out. And you're going to see it right now. Guys, I want you to now think with me. Three stages. When you're outnumbered, outnumbered, there are more unbelievers than Muslims. You preach tolerance, peaceful coexistence. Second stage, when you have enough manpower or you have control of a particular piece of land, then you can do what they call defensive wars, where you go and attack those that you claim oppressed you. And you can also raid and steal and loot. That's the second stage. Third stage, when you are now the majority and you are in control, then you spread the influence of Islam, subjugate people, bring them under the rule of Islam, willingly or unwillingly. And if they want to retain their religious identity as Jews and Christians, extract jizya, a sum of money. Now look at that around the world. When you have Muslims in, who are in minority, what do they preach? Let's say in the West. Yeah, friends, What's tolerance, peace. Right. When you have enough Muslims, enough Muslims to shake things up, 
What do you start, start hearing them say? Islamophobia, you're attacking Muslims, you're oppressing us, we don't feel safe, we demand our rights. See, this is again part of their strategy. So when they get to stage three and they're uppermost, then they take over and how do they treat non-Muslims? Look at Saudi Arabia. Can you have a Bible in Saudi Arabia? No. Can you have church services in Saudi Arabia? No. Can you build a church in Saudi Arabia? No. So here you're seeing the three stages played out today depending on which part of the world. If you're in America, they're stage one. If you're in UK, stage two because they have a sizable Muslim population where they can say, look, we feel that you're oppressing us, Islamophobia, you're attacking us, we don't feel... Because why? They're preparing for stage three, hmm. to attack and subjugate. And once they have the upper hand, you won't have the freedom to assemble or preach or evangelize because that will be punishable by death because people don't know this, brother. A form of fighting, a form of mischief. Let me give you the references. Chapter five of the Quran, verse 33. Chapter 5, verse 33. Chapter 9, verse 12 of the Quran. 533. Chapter 9, verse 12. And chapter 9, verse 32. Islam considers evangelizing, quote-unquote proselytizing, criticism of Muhammad as fighting and spreading mischief in the land. And the Quran says, if anyone is found spreading mischief or <clears throat> fighting by criticizing Muhammad, with the pen or social media or your tongue, not by a weapon, then that's grounds for you to be killed. Hmm. So under Islamic rule, him and I will be killed. In fact, brother, just the other day, David Wood and I had a young Muslim man, I think it was just, what, two days ago? And I asked him, or I think it was three days ago. I go, in Islamic rule, in Islamic rule, would David and I deserve to be killed? He goes, yes, he said it up front. You and David would have to be killed because of what you're saying about Muhammad. Yeah. So now can you imagine if the president of Turkey is able to implement Islamic rule according to Muhammad, what that will do to the non-Muslims living in Turkey or the non-Muslim lands surrounding Turkey, what will happen? Yeah, exactly. By the way, I wanna commend you and David Wood for having that young guy on. And a lot of people, you get a lot of trash, by the way, Sam. You get a lot of trash for being mean and mean-spirited and all this yeah. stuff, right? That's because people don't know how goofy you are when you're having lunch and singing like, like a weirdo. Um, but, you know, you guys were so gracious with that young guy. Um, I, I watched the entire stream. Um, it was wonderful to see and, and really show that you guys were guiding him through this. And he was very honest, right? He was saying, I don't know this and I'm new to this. This is the guy that uh, had the mom... Um, one of the parents was Catholic, one of them was a Muslim background kind of thing, and he had gone to Islam. And we pray, uh, we pray that God would really enlighten his mind and, and show him the truth. Uh, but thank you for that, by the way. That, that was really, really nice to see. Yeah. Um, Here's my policy, brother. I want to just show people so they, mis this, they misunderstand mm -hmm. my approach. Here's my policy. And if I'm sinning, I pray God will correct me not to sin, because I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, obviously. My policy, if someone asks sincere questions, is asking sincerely, not asking to attack, I will spend all day, all night answering them very graciously and patiently. But the moment I spot someone is asking to attack or mock and ridicule, then I have to treat a fool according to his folly, Proverbs 26, verse mm. 5. Now, obviously, I'm not perfect in doing it. Sometimes I take it to the extreme. But you know what? They like it. Hey, I'll give you an example. Right before I came on this show, over two hours, a young Muslima, she loved it. She didn't want to go anywhere. I'm tearing her to shreds. I'm attacking her, right? This, this, is, 
This is partly, by the way, Sam, uh, this is partly, um, again, it's a cultural thing, right? Like when me and my Armenian friends get into a conversation, man, we're yelling, we're screaming. We're like, you know, like you would pass by and think we're going to, we're about to kill each other. But it's a cultural thing. You know, you get hyped up, you, you know. And so when it comes to Islam and Middle Easterners, right, um, they don't have issues with this stuff, man. They, no. they yell, they talk because this is something you should be passionate about. How can you believe something is true and not be passionate about it? It makes no sense. Where maybe in the West, there's this understanding of control your, you know, control yourself, control your desires. You know? But if you believe something, you better be passionate about it. I want to make a comment here that's extremely important. Um, as, as long as we have the opportunity and the window, and by window I mean there's Muslims living around us, in what, wherever we are and whatever country we are, we're in. Right. Generally, the Western countries, there's a great let us evangelize, let us share the gospel with Muslims. Do not think and do not be naive and foolish enough to think that that window will always be there. You're not guaranteed that there's zero guarantees of that. And if you can look at our history, right, the Armenian Assyrian history, this will teach you very well. That window will not always be there. So take, as the Bible says, right, take advantage of the times. Take advantage of your time because the days are evil and use it. Preach the gospel. Let's see Muslims come to know Jesus, but because that's where the, in, in reality, that's where the battle is, right? Yes. Um, so, okay, this whole Hagia Sophia thing and, and Turkey's dominance, stuff like that. Why is it such a major thing? Because I've seen Turks comment on the internet saying, apologizing even, saying, we're sorry we did this. But this Center for Christian Worship, I mean, the Byzantine Empire was the center of Christianity for a very long time. Breaking up, brother. Right. Oh, can you hear me? Is it, so the Byzantine... Broke, brother, sometimes your connection, and I think like, you're saying the center for Christian worship? Yeah, so saying? the Byzantine Empire was the center for Christian, uh, the Christian Empire, quote-unquote, okay. and the Hagia Sophia was central to that. Why is it such a, you know, political and also religious statement to take it from yes. being a museum, yes. it was converted to a museum about, you know, whatever, like 100 years ago or something like that, yes. secularized yes. Turkey. And this is a shift in the policy of Turkey and, and kind of regional understandings. Help us understand the mi Let Muslim mindset of converting churches to mosques. Let me explain. Let me explain why Turkey is important for Christians, because, again, I'm not a scholar, but I know enough about Turkey. Many people. Let me go back to Constantine. Whether you believe he's a Christian or not, I know yeah. some traditions say he's a saint, but there are sources that say he actually died as an Aryan heretic. I'm not going to get into that debate because I had some Orthodox Christians tell me I was wrong. Hmm. Brother, whether he was Aryan or he's a Trinitarian, the point was Constantine around 312 AD claimed to have seen a vision and where he sees the sign of the cross and he says, in this sign you will conquer. So he won and then decided to convert the entire empire into Christianity. Now, folks, for those of you who love your faith and love the Trinity, Turkey is a very important place geographically because Nicaea, where is Nicaea, brother? Yeah, well, modern-day Turkey. Say it again? Modern-day Turkey. 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea in Turkey. And by the way, Constantine made Turkey the capital of the empire. It was called Constantinople. When the Muslims conquered, guess what they did? They changed it to Istanbul. Yeah. 
you understand? Yeah. This was to spit on Christianity. I, I, I don't want to be politically correct. Can I say that? This was to spit on Christianity. Now, Council of Nicaea, you had some of the greatest Trinitarian scholars, theologians, saints of the church, like Athanasius, that met in 325 to put a heretic named Arius in his place and show him from Scripture that Jesus is eternally God. Now, if you guys don't know what this debate was about, Arius was a priest from Alexandria, Egypt. He started spreading his heretical view that Jesus, though God, wasn't God Almighty in the same sense that the Father was and was the first creation of the Father. Needless to say, this raised the irate of those who knew better that the Bible teaches that Jesus is the eternal Son, the true spiritual offspring of the Father, and not a creature. So this council convened. Arius was put to was refuted, but unfortunately, after that, the Arians were given power mm -hmm. to persecute Trinitarians. But what's my point? Turkey is is famous because you had the Council of Nicaea. It was called Constantinople because it was made the capital of the Roman Empire. Constantinople, why? Because Constantine also, you know, his his throne was in Turkey. He's the one that made the empire Christian. So that when you have the Muslims who then come and invade Turkey, they change it to Istanbul, and then Hagia Sophia, they convert to mosque in order to spit in the face of Christianity. So, and again, I'm not trying to get people emotionally, because, you know, words can make an impact. Sure. When the president of Turkey decided to turn it into a mosque, he was basically spitting in the face of Christians and spitting in the blood of the martyrs, and he was basically inciting war against the Christians. I don't know how else to say it, brother. How else do I say it? So, so okay, help us explain this, because this comes from ancient, even ancient, like, paganism, like, when you study history, ancient history, uh, the converting of holy sites to yeah. your God's temple or whatever like that. Yes, like, it means you defeat it. Yeah, so, because you've conquered their gods. The, the, That's right. This you see this in the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite scenes in the Bible is when, um, right? It's it's in the book of Judges, I believe. Right? It's it's when uh, the uh, the Philistines conquer Israel and they take the Ark of the Covenant and they yes, bring it yep. in front of into the yeah. temple in front of their God. They wake up in the morning, it's fallen face first in front of the Ark. Listen, that saying that's Yahweh, even though they've conquered, Yahweh's still greater. Right. And Amen. this keeps happening. People get a disease and stuff and they kind of get really sick of this. And they put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they push it over the border into Israel. Um, and then it goes to this guy's house and he becomes very prosperous uh, because God's blessing him. Th this mindset, yeah. guys, is not ancient to this part of the world. This mindset is not ancient to this part of the world. That maybe Westerners, right, Europeans don't think like this, but a vast majority of the world still thinks like this. And when you get a conversion of a, of a church, and plenty, plenty of Christian churches, Armenian churches, Assyrian churches, have been converted into mosques. Okay, that's what they do, because this is also a sign of conquest. Now, it's, some people might say, well, it's a religious site. They still have some kind of respect for it and stuff like that. Maybe so, maybe so, but more so than that. Okay, um, it's no accident, by the way, that the Dome of the Rock is where it is. Right? The Dome of the Rock is yeah. in its place for a specific reason. This is not that's by accident. Exactly. So you got to pay attention to how people think and, and what's going on. Um, in yeah. regards to this. 
So let me further confirm. Sure. Go ahead, brother. No, go, go, go for it. You're kind of go for it. Because let me confirm for people who may not know this. Just to give you another chapter, the brother gave you, he was referring to Judges and Saul's in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5. Let me give you another chapter I want you to read carefully to confirm. See, ancient Near Eastern people did not disassociate or disconnect government politics from religion. That didn't exist in the ancient world. Mm -hmm. In fact, the king was considered to be a divine offspring of the gods. Are you with me there? So if you, the kings were thought to be the offspring of the gods, and that they were planted there with the authority of the gods to rule on their behalf. Why do you think that these human kings were worshipped as gods? So the idea of a secular government, that's alien to the ancient Near Eastern worldview, and it's also alien to the medieval period, specifically with the rise of Islam. In their mind, if a king conquers, it's because his god proved to be more powerful than the god of the opposing kingdom. That's how they thought. Just to prove this point, go to Ezekiel 36. One thing God says to the Israelites, he says he has to be zealous for his name and bring them back into the land because he says this, Ezekiel 36. You can read from 20 all the way to 23 if you don't want to read all the chapter. He goes, my name has been profaned because of you among the nations. So now I have to be zealous for my name and bring you back into the land, not because you're righteous, but because for the glory of my name. Now, what did God mean here? When the pagans defeated Israel, they took that as a defeat of their god, Yahweh, that their god was stronger than Yahweh and defeated Yahweh. To further prove this, go to Isaiah 36 and 37, chapter 36, 37, where the king of Assyria, my ancestors, Sanchiru, Sanacharib, the Rabshakeh goes, the Rabshakeh, who's, who's bringing in the Assyrian army to pigeonhole the king Hezekiah in Judah. They had taken, taken many of the cities of Judah, and now they're right there by Judah's wall, threatening to come in and take the king into slavery. And the king says, I'm sorry, the Rabshakeh says to the, to the people on the wall, did the gods of the other nations save them from the hand of my king? Mm -hmm. Neither will your God be able to deliver you out of the hand of my king. See, to them, defeating a people was defeating their God. That's right. So God is telling Israel, for me to show myself as the true God, I have to bring you back into the land because the people think their gods defeated me. They don't realize I'm the one who empowered them to defeat you, to punish you. They don't see it that way. So now I have to be zealous for my glory and then bring you into the land so they know their gods didn't defeat me. Their gods are no gods. I am God and I'm the one who's giving them victory over against you. So what's the point? Yeah. When a Muslim conquers Christian land, destroys churches or converts churches into mosques, that's a sign to them, you Christians have been subjugated because you perverted the religion of Isa. You perverted the religion of Isa because in Islam, Isa is a Muslim who never died on the cross. So when they desecrate crosses or icons, that is a sign to them and to you, Allah is God, Muhammad is the messenger, Christianity is a perversion, and we need to face Christianity because it's an abomination. It's not the religion of Jesus. Now, to give you a narration attributed to Muhammad to confirm this, this is a narration attributed to Muhammad, found in all the sound collections attributed to Muhammad. So don't take my word for it. Muhammad and Bukhari and Muslim, the two most authentic collection narrations, says that when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, you know what he's going to do? He's going to destroy every cross he sees. Hmm. 
He's going to kill every pig he sees, and he's going to abolish this Guys, notice these acts. This is in the most authentic narration, collection narrations of Muhammad. Jesus, they believe, is coming back. He's coming back as a Muslim ruler who ruled the earth for 40 days as a just judge, but as a Muslim following the law of Muhammad. He will implement Sharia all over the world. That's what they believe. Yeah. But some of the acts he's going to do when he gets here, destroy every cross, kill every pig, and abolish the jizya. Now let's take why all these acts have some symbolic meaning. And if you're a Muslim, you believe this, like the president of Turkey, then you're going to do everything you can to be used of Allah to bring that into fruition, make it a reality. Because you, everything is, is leading to the return of Isa. And it says the hour will not come until the Muslims fight the Jews and kill them. So now if this madman, the president of Turkey, thinks that he is a true Muslim, that he believes that Allah will use him in his position of influence to bring about these events culminating in Isa ibn Maryam, Jesus son of Mary, coming down to implement Islam the world over. So he's going to abolish the jizya. Why? Because jizya is the son of money you take from non-Muslims who are people of the book. When he abolishes jizya, that's a sign there will be no more non-Muslims. When Jesus comes, everyone is going to have to be a Muslim or be killed. Why destroy all crosses and kill all pigs? Because that is to spit in the face of Christianity. Why? Christianity teaches salvation comes from the cross, Jesus dying on the cross. When Jesus destroys the cross, that's him spitting in our face saying, shame on you for attributing my death on a cross for salvation when the cross is an abomination to me and the cross can't save anyone. Cross is a symbol of Christianity. By destroying the cross, he's destroying Christianity. Why kill the pig? That also is spitting in the face of Christians. Why? Because the Quran or Muslim tradition says that Jesus called us to observe the Torah, right? And only make some things lawful. By killing the pig, that's also an indictment against Christianity. How dare you eat unlawful meat like swine in my name when I never gave you that authority? In other words, two of the three acts is an attack on Christianity saying your Christian faith is an abomination to Jesus, an abomination to the God of Jesus. It's satanic at its core. So when Jesus comes, he's going to eradicate Christianity. Yeah. There you go. By the way, just a, uh, just a little historical note here. Uh, when the Assyrians are at the door and Hezekiah prays and the Lord rescues them, yes. the way the Lord rescues them is that up north, the kingdom of Urartu, which are my ancestors, invaded Assyria, which are Sam's ancestors and Assyria had to go back and defeat the uh, the, the the kingdom of Urartu which is uh, the uh, precursor to the kingdom of Armenia um, and so it is only by the grace of God that me and Sam can sit here next to each other where our ancestors killed each other but we were united in Christ that's what Jesus does and that's what Jesus does with with our Turkish um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ right there's a unity that can't be broken and there's plenty of them um, and, and they preach and they're persecuted. So make sure you're praying for Christians in Turkey, Christians in Azerbaijan, Christians in Islamic countries who are in persecution, under persecution uh, of a kind that we can't even picture or imagine, uh, those of us who live in Western countries. Sam, I want to end this, man. Thank you. Um, um, I love it because a lot, of, a lot of people 
a lot of us who grew up in the West are under this ideology, which is, which is, you know, it's it's good in the sense that you can separate and have have spirited, lively discussions, but no one's killing each other, right? We're not declaring war on each other. You get this in Western countries, and uh, people forget that a certain portion of the world, as a matter of fact, a big portion of the world, doesn't operate under those assumptions. Religion is a fundamental aspect of the human identity and um, ideas matter, theology matters, and people will implement what they believe. We're seeing in the United States right now, in a atheistic Marxist sense, people have found a certain kind of excuse and freedom to, to be burning down cities for all sorts of reasons. And then we see it in a religious context, other place in the world. Before we end, I want to thank you guys yeah. for joining us. Uh, make sure to share and subscribe. Sam's channels, uh, sure. websites are all in the description. If you're not subscribed to Sam's stuff, make sure you go and subscribe. Make sure you read the content because he's going to provide if I amazing can content. Be, say just one final thing. Can you? Sure. Hear yeah, absolutely. Thing absolutely. I want to say, and I mean, from, I want to say this because I want people to know I haven't said uh, said this enough. Not because I am oblivious to the plight of my brothers and sisters in Christ, the Armenians and the Greeks. I love the Armenians and I love the Greeks. I love Armenia and I love Greece. And we need to pray that the triune God who lives will protect Armenia and Greece. And my heart breaks with my Orthodox brothers that when they converted Hagia Sophia into a mosque again, that also broke my heart. And I stand in solidarity with all of you. And I pray that the God of heaven and earth, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, will arise in honor and defense of all those martyrs who died and shed their blood because of their identity as Trinitarian Christians and do <clears throat> arise to do what he deems fit and perfect in his just sight to this madman who wants to spit in the face of the Christians. Christ is risen. He will avenge the blood of his saints. Revelation 6, verse 9 to 11. I love you. And I stand with you in my prayers. And if I can do more, I will in Jesus' name. Thank so you. Just thank you. When I'm back in the States, when I'm back in the States, Sam, uh, we got to meet up because, you you know, where you are and where I'm going to be is pretty close. And then we're going to have – I got to make some barbecue for you, man. You got to come down to my neck of the woods. I got to I got to cook some barbecue for you for your those muscles to get bigger. And you got to eat some healthy food. Okay. So thanks a lot, everyone. Again, make sure to subscribe, make sure to share it out because a lot of people don't know about the historical context of what's going on in this region of the world. Hopefully this will help them enlighten them. Thank you for all the comments. I'm going to go back and look at all these comments uh, because it's very difficult keeping up with them um, as, as we're talking about these things. So God bless you guys. Take care and we will see you next time. Amen. Praise you.